This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. We humans determine ourselves where our space is. From breath to breath, from thought to thought, we can stay in the shadow, worrying and doubting, or we can step into the sunshine with trust. The universe smiles at you in every blossom, in every bird song, in the sparkling of the stars. You are unique. You are precious. You are are beloved. Valeria Tellas interviews Brigitte Novales, the author of The Magic of Inner Silence, How to Connect with Nature and Rediscover Your Joy of Life. Boston-based therapist and Reiki master Brigitte Novales inspires readers across the world to live their best life, the life you want, and to find their magical connection with nature, the magic of inner silence. Her beautifully illustrated fairy tales enchant both children and grown-ups alike. Brigitte loves her family, her dogs and cats, Dvorak's Slavonic dances, and good stories, both reading and writing them. In Brigitte's new adventure series, you will follow Anna to the Quentin Academy of Magical Arts and Sciences, Anna and the Missing Child, Anna and the Mysterious Twins, Anna and the Mongolian Princess, and enter a new world where living becomes magical and joyful. Meet Brigitte at brigittenovales.com. Here's the interview with Brigitte Novales. In your own words, who is Bridget Novales? Oh. I'm a human being, loving life, living on earth right now. And right now it is a challenge to live. There's so much heartbreak when we look at what happens in the world, especially in the eastern part of Europe. And I wonder why these things are still happening. I believe that we are moving into this lighter and more loving kind of reality. And then COVID and then now this war how do you interpret these experiences, Bridget, these current events? We are one mankind, but we are not one coherent group. And some of us still need to experience challenge and heartbreak and war even uh, on a larger scale. And in our personal life, there are sometimes days when we don't feel good when things happen, we we hit our toes. We <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, it is... It is uh, <laughs> A human experience, I would say, but as we take these hurdles with 
kindness, with loving kindness, not only towards others, but towards ourselves, we move on. It's just a journey. It is a journey. That is so true. I know we often think about destinations. We wanted to get to that loving, harmonic, balanced reality. But it seems like everything's happening right now within ourselves, right, But Bridget? It's not out there. It's here that really matters. And as I say, um, the journey itself is important. Yeah. How do we learn to do that, to stay more in the moment? Is that a practice or this is an, an understanding, a deeper understanding in consciousness? Yes. Uh, one easy thing for me and for some of my friends is to become aware of breathing in and out And then feel your feet and your shoes touching the ground and look around, hopefully, with appreciative eyes, <laughs> with mm. a smile on your face. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then you are present. I love that. This idea that we can do that more often. Is that something that we choose to do, Bridget? Or this is uh, almost like life's journey kind of flowing through us. In a way, it is a calling from life. Yes, life flows through us. But the journey, in my opinion, I might be wrong, is that we become more aware and that we extend our consciousness and that comprises being aware in the present moment. Because, as they say, the present moment is the only thing we have. It's now. It's, yeah, it's not tomorrow. It's not yesterday. It's now. How did you come to these understandings, Bridget, these wisdoms? mainly through my journey with nature, through this uh, deep connection, the meditation. So I got insights and uh, I'm glad for them. So this is something that just happened, like in a moment in time, or it has been a journey? To... It has been a journey. And when we look at our larger consciousness, we, in my mind, we, we move up and down, sometimes very mundane. Oh, I'm hungry. I want to drink something. Yes. And, oh, it's cold. I need to put on a jacket. Oh, then more. Oh, how beautiful the flowers. The crocuses are out and definitely start to bloom. And then, oh my God, look at the moon, how it shines in the starry night. Oh, or listening to the Ode of Joy. Wow. You know, Beethoven's Ode of Joy. And then you are absolutely wonderful. You feel like embracing the world. And being able to perceive or experience life this way, it takes being in the moment. Yes, it happens. And it's not an exercise. It is more like first it starts with our willingness to be there and then with our acceptance of life. Not easy at times. <laughs> and mm -hmm, then it, it flows and yeah, it is on and off. We are not always there, but more often, let me put it this way, more than before, maybe. That's good. Do you connect silence to being in the moment? In a way, yes. We feel we can, when, when people start to meditate, and I think you experience this as well, If you want to quiet yourself, you can close your eyes, open your eyes, look at a nice object or a flower or candle, and the thoughts come and come one after the other. And then if you continue on, then suddenly you become quieter because then you listen to the greater self or your inner self. It's the same thing to our soul, you might say. These are just words, but you get the concept, right? And yeah. then you feel this more and then it becomes better and better. 
Yeah, I love that. I love to know that that becomes better and better in the sense of flow, yeah. right, Bridget? Yeah. So you wrote the book, The Magic of Inner Silence, How to Connect with Nature and Rediscover Your Joy of Life. How do you describe this state of joy and how is it different from happiness? They're very close related, but joy has a higher connotation maybe. It has some more quality. You can be very happy eating a piece of cake, for example. I like that. Yeah, I like I have a sweet too, so I like that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's also fine. It's it's life. It's life. It's good. But also sometimes you hear some most beautiful music, and your heart opens up more. And so when you open up more, it goes more into the direction of joy. What is your idea of magic? What is magic to you? Yeah, we think of Harry Potter's magic sometimes, which is also interesting. And the books opened a whole new horizon in literature for us. But magic in life is something that is beyond the mere understanding. It is a quality that is beyond um, what you can touch and with your fingers or hear with your ears. There's something else. Magic happens when people smile at each other with kindness, even Let's say you smile at the cashier, she smiles back with a, not with a false smile, with a true smile from the heart. And the magic, the magic of life, in the greater sense, when we think of nature of life itself, how it is all cooperating with the carpet of life, how it is woven together for beauty, for love, for kindness. This is the magic of life. And we are not apart from nature, right? We are nature. As well, we are nature, human beings, right? Yes, we are. Another open question is about the purpose of the human experience. What do you think that is? To become more of ourselves. Mm. Can you describe what would that look like? To be more of you or more of me? Maybe more of you, of course. When you remember the beginning of the book, I was a young mother with wonderful children, lived in a beautiful environment, but I was so duty-bound, I was so, I have to do this and this, so I lost myself in a way. I mean, I'd per I perfectly arranged my life and my family was happy, but cats and dogs and all this, these trees and our forest and all of this was great, but still I wasn't myself. So I felt this, that's why I felt, you might call it a midlife crisis, I, I felt I was poor, I was old, I wasn't really alive, it was just functioning. When I saw a sunrise, oh yeah, I see that already, and when sun was setting, oh yeah, I know that, and yeah, oh mama, look at how it snows, oh my God, it snowed so many times mm -hmm. in my life already. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. Uh. And so become aware <laughs> again, and to, to, wow, it's life is so wonderful, that is it. Mm -hmm. And what is your idea of balance, your understanding of balance? The Chinese, the ancient Chinese, not the modern Chinese, maybe, <laughs> they had philosophers who like balance and said not too warm, not too cold, yes. I like the fullness of life, not just, you know, if we reduce ourselves, no, that is not good, but to be centered would be a better word. Centered in ourselves and then look out of this loving heart, that would be in balance. And sometimes we are not. Sometimes I watch the news and sometimes they enrage me. I say, how dare they? I could say. And then, okay, take a deep breath, come back. <laughs> <laughs> I think you come back into 
a more balanced state. And the balanced state is not a destination, right, Bridget? It's this no, it's journey, a, another journey. Isn't yeah, it? as if you walk on a path, you could go too much to the left and then there are brambles and go to the right and there are sizzles, but you could stay more in the middle of the road and then it's easy to walk. Another question, open question, is about spirituality. How do you define spirituality these days? Let me, let me take a step back. Um, I studied uh, the Sess books by Jane Roberts. Um, I learned more about this and I became a Reiki master, etc., etc. And uh, I love it all. But when I look back, I know that even when I was a child of four or five years old, I could feel those concepts, the connection to a higher purpose in life or to the divine being that we are part of. Children do this, they know this already. Now, spirituality can be something like you put a rope around yourself and say, wow, I'm a spiritual person. Mm, (laughs) (laughs) And you meet them in their homes, candles everywhere, angels everywhere, and crystals. Oh, I love crystals, but crystals everywhere. And that's not really it. (laughs) It is the understanding that all of life is an expression of the divine. Mm. And you are part of it. Wow. Beautifully said. Yes, a trillion times to that. So true, Bridget. So you just mentioned Reiki. Talk to me for a moment about Reiki. How did you discover it? And what is Reiki for those who don't know? Uh, Thank you for this question, because before I was asked this question often. Um, In Germany, um, I studied at our university in Münster, which is uh, the capital of our area where I lived in near Dusseldorf, by the way, just to get you an idea, it's more the north. And somehow... I went to the university to see, do they have summer courses? Could I just join in and do some more after I finished my studies to, to be connected to this, to this learning experience? And then I just saw the word Reiki. And I went and said, can I sign into this course of Reiki? And they told me, very sorry, it's filled up already, but we take your name and your address and then you can come next semester. And then I looked it up, and we have wonderful bookstores in my city, and I went to one of my bookstores and went to the third story, which is more for philosophy and things like this, and I got a book about Reiki, and said, wow, and then it was exciting. It is life energy, Ray is God's consciousness, and key is life energy. What I can do, which is wonderful. See, in China, they call it Qi, Tai Chi, yeah? She is key. And then Ray got consciousness. And then I was reading about, oh yeah, I got one book, I got another one, and said, absent healing nonsense. How can you do that? I was so disappointed. I said, wow, this is such a nonsense. But later on, I learned, indeed, because it is all now, here, now, indeed, it works. I had a funny experience. One of my clients called me and I had an office. I I don't do this anymore. I I dedicate my time now to writing books. But when I had my office, my healing center, uh, a client called me and said, I feel terrible. Can I come a little earlier? Uh, Whatever. And then I said, well, yeah, we'll come. And they commuted sometimes for an hour to come to my office. And so I said, oh, this woman was so distraught. So I sent her energies, Reiki energies, healing energies. And then she called me before she even arrived and said, oh, Brigitte, do you know what? Um, or Miss Novalis, she said, do you know what? I, I turn back. I don't even need to come. I feel wonderful. <laughs> 
I said, no, 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 I don't do this anymore. I wouldn't have any income if I do the healing before people even show up <laughs> in the office. Right. <laughs> True. Oh, not a good idea. Uh, if you want to survive in the body. Yes. Uh, I have the experience too. It's very powerful. Yeah, Reiki. Yeah, it's the energy of life. So connected with consciousness and of oh, divine consciousness. It's interesting how I feel the sensations in the body. And then at the level of the mind thoughts, there's no thoughts. It's just uh, kind of almost like a blank. It's, um, it feels very peaceful, but there's a lot happening in the body, but there's no, no thinking happening. I- what is healing to you and what are the obstacles to healing? Uh, healing is providing an environment, a space for the one who wants to be healed, to feel comfortable, to feel loved, to feel safe, and of course to provide strong positive energy so that that person then can heal him herself. All healing is self-healing. But when we study more, I did uh, linguistic programming and all of these things and hypnotherapy, then you are more skillful exactly how to guide them to this place where they can make mental changes. Yes, mental changes. A different outlook on life. But in fact, that is it. Obstacles are when people don't really want to heal. When they say, yes, my wife sent me, she said, I'm so angry all the time. And they sit down and say, no, fix me. That doesn't work. <laughs> right. True. So they have to be open, right, Bridget? Yes, and willing, and willing. Yeah. And willing. What is the difference, British, between being open and willing? Do you see a difference? Yeah, I see a difference. The, the willing is first the first step, so I really want to get better. I really want to engage in this, whatever it is. And the openness, here I am, open my heart, my mind, now do your magic. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I think I needed to hear those words. So I mentioned earlier, the title of your book is The Magic of Inner Peace, the one that we are speaking about today, but you have written many other books. So talk to me for a moment about the inspiration and the intention of writing your book, The Magic of Inner Silence. I was here in America and I thought about life and I like to write. I have been storyteller since all my years, even since a child. And I contemplated how my life has changed since I started this journey. And I said, why don't I share it with others? Why don't I find companions on this journey? Why don't I reach out a hand to people who want to do this? Why I don't want to keep it just for myself because there were insights I felt or thought they were meaningful and maybe helpful to others. It's just like reaching out a helping hand. Isn't it fascinating that comes up again and again the idea of the purpose of life or one of them is to help others? Is that because this essence that we carry, that everything's connected? So it's almost like intuitively we all know that, that we are all connected. So helping the other is helping ourselves, or helping ourselves is helping the other. Is that how you see this idea too, Bridget? Anyway, yes. I want to make a short side walk, so to say. Uh, I have another spiritual book. All my books are spiritual, by the way, but 
the self-help book, and that is called The Life You Want. And uh, I was just sitting here one evening, and I said, I want to do something, but what is it that I want to do? And so I just wrote down The Life You Want. I said, wow, that sounds, that, that looks like the title of a book. And then I continued on, so the book was writing itself, you see? And that is how the magic of inner silence, the desire was to, wow, if people just knew how wonderful it is to connect with nature, but it was not a pretty book or, or do this, do that. I'm not better than others. I don't know more than others, but it's just my particular experience which could be helpful. In the book, you use a term, two words, three words, really, the wondrous beings so you say that throughout the book. I would love to hear more about your idea of wondrous beings. Who are they and where are they? When I started out to be more in a more enlightened state, not enlightened, but in a more going there, this direction, you open up, you open up your consciousness more. And I knew there is the consciousness of trees, of animals, of the grass, of the brook, they're all consciousness and you feel their awareness and you feel this, but there's something more. There's something like good friends guiding you, inspiring you. And as I pondered, what could that be? What is this energy? Could it be angels or archangels or ascended masters and or nature spirits and divas, all of this, of course. For me, it is not just one demonation. It is also all just the God force. And so, because I didn't want to say, this is now my guide and this is now an angel, so I just called them with reverence, with love, the wondrous beings. I love the exercises throughout the book, the mindful exercise that you have. They are beautiful. And I love the illustrations too, especially the ones about your dog, Prince, that part of your book. It made me cry. Yeah, I would love for the audience to know about that story, Bridget. So if you could, maybe not the whole story, but parts of it and also the emotions felt, the revelations, the message. Uh, we found friends in the shelter yeah. and it was because someone died and he, they had no one else and he put him in the shelter. He was already six or seven years old and we found him. Our dog just died and another dog, a boxer dog and I was devastated. I mean, we always are so joyful to have the pups and then they become family members and then they die. They have such short lives by comparison. It is so, ah, people are mostly devastated when they lose their cats and dogs. Anyway, and here he was, but he was so fearful because he had bad experiences. He was hiding and he was trembling. And then when he felt our love, he was stretching. And wow, he was like an alpha wolf, most magnificent and beautiful and very well trained, by the way. And then we moved into an environment for the time being before we found the real house. And that interim house in, in near Boston was uh, in a neighborhood that was sad and angry and God knows what. And I wasn't used to such things. And when I came into the apartment which we had uh, at that time, he filled the whole home with life and joy and light. And then later on, I learned the liver is the main um, organ of... Uh, detoxification in the body. 
but also dogs bring in energies into their body to detoxify their the environment. So dogs allow the energies to go through them and dogs send them out. So it's different ways. Anyway, so we moved into a better environment and we loved it and we walked the blue hills and he got sick and his body was swollen and he had then what we learned, cancer of the, um, of the um, liver. And there was no healing. And then uh, they said, yeah, death. you can just leave him here. We can put him to, to death. And I said, no, 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 no. He is my best friend. I need to be with him. Then he stayed there only for two days because we didn't want him to suffer. And then one day we knew he wanted to go because he didn't want to leave the car. He said, so you want me to bring you to the bed? And it was devastating. And then the doctor who held him, I said, do you want... Uh, make your paperwork and pay your dues because later on you don't feel like it and I wanted to leave the room and he was shrieking like a child in pain like a human being I, and I ran back I said I don't leave you I don't leave you I just need to do this I come back and then I held him and then the silence and it was ah oh, so devastating we had we had a wonderful bookstore. It's no longer the Infinity Books. And I went there to sit there in the New Age corner and I couldn't stand it. I went home and then I went inside and I meditated and I saw him coming towards me with other dogs. And I saw in my, of course, with in my inner mind, I saw him playing with dogs, showing me his love and that he's doing well. And, and that dogs came, even the Dex hound of my childhood. I didn't think of that dog for decades, and here he was, waving his tail. And so I said, yes, you are part of us, no matter where, it's just on another level, mm. still in our life. I often wonder about death, and most of us, most of the people that I talk to here, and my own journeys and my own, uh, let's say, sincere desire to find answers about what this is about and spirituality and all that. Uh, and it doesn't matter how far we get with the understanding that we never die, that there's no death, it still hurts. Oh, yeah. Right? It, yeah, because life is real. There's joy, there's suffering, there's all. And if I may add something to the Prince story, when I was typing that story, I, the, the, the song of Evita Perón came to mind, don't cry for me. And I was singing it loud. And I said, am I crazy? I'm singing and crying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. These were the words. And that's how the wondrous beings speak to us. I said, no, I don't want to cry anymore. And then, then I sang again. I said, and the next sentence was, because I have never left you. Where could we go? <laughs> I remember a spiritual teacher saying that before he died. Somebody asked him, I think it was uh, Rama Ma Maharaji, I think his name is. And somebody asked him, his devotees, don't leave me, they said, but then, please don't leave me. And then he said that, where could I go? <laughs> yeah. I'm still here. I can never go anywhere. But the experience of loss, it's real to us, right? Yes. Bridget, yes. It is reality. Yes. Yeah. And I love the exercise you have, the uh, kindle, the fire in your heart. That's beautiful, the way you begin. You write, love is the strongest force in the universe. The more we truly love and accept ourselves, the stronger we radiate this love to all beings near and far. Then the whole world radiates this love back to us. 
And then, of course, you have the exercise after that. Beautifully written. That kind of stopped me when I read this. <laughs> uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, thank you for doing what you do. That just being open to life, Bridget. Yeah, that's what I see. Life is flowing through you and communicating its message. And then there's something else. There's uh, the Brooke experience you had where um, you had this um, experience of energy consciousness that the brook was it and also you, you could sense that in both being the same thing in a way. In that passage, you say the activation key for this kind of experience, energy consciousness, is a deep desire to be more aware and expanded. The basis to make this happen is the magic of inner silence. That's another beautiful, beautiful passage. Would you like to uh, add anything to that experience you had? It started out with a koan. And I love Zen Buddhism. And the koan is kind of a riddle, as you know, a paradox, which the intellect cannot solve so easily. And so I had this in mind. And so there is as if you are in suspension between uh, mind and mindfulness, or I don't know, it, it, there's a certain tension in your mind. And when I came to our brook, and the question, my own core, and I wanted to have my own core, and I saw the river, and I said, my God, is it young? Because it, it comes up in my neighbor's uh, meadow, and then flows to us, or is it old? Because it has deep cuts since the ice age, young or old. And then it happened. And it is absolutely this experience with nature. Most of them were absolutely unexpected and surprising. And suddenly I see this stream of energies floating above the, the bed of the, the, the river. And it was floating in the air, dancing, joyful. And I felt I was joining in. And oh my God, this was absolutely wonderful. And, and then the intellect says, is this an, an experience of enlightenment? Yeah. Boom, you go back down to the intellect and it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's not an experience for the intellect, right? It's not an intellectual experience. Not at all. I wonder why questions. I noticed that there's a lot of power in questions. Not answers, but questions. Right. Right? That's interesting. Do you wonder why, Bridget, this is... We have deeper revelations when we ask questions and wait for the answer? I, I mean, I have to say it right now. I never thought about that, but it seems that at this moment we open up for greater possibilities. And then also under that, the brook, that passage, you also write, uh, you say, whether we are aware of it or not, our societies build solid thought structures around us. Our intellect is trained to function in well-established ways. Again and again, we walk the beaten path. Forever, we turn around and round. Fortunately, we can set ourselves free because we have been given free will. So this caught my attention because it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the structures that we have created they seem solid, although they are not solid. They, they really feel solid to us at so many levels. The idea of free will, I would love to hear more about that because for some reason, 
I don't believe we have free will because I don't believe in the self. I believe that life, you and I and everything else here, it's life itself. So there's no self really, individual self. Everything's complete, everything's whole, everything is life. So I would wonder where uh, free will would fit within this idea. Oh, you have very interesting questions, Valeria. <laughs> I, I, I love, love your questions, really. <laughs> this gives me pause for, for thought. So what is it? I think I am close to your view of life. I think there is a dichotomy. We are part of all that is, I agree. And also we are individuals. We are a very rare and unique expression of life. There is not one flower that is exactly like the other one, not one grass blade that is exactly like the other grass blade. So it is a dichotomy, it is as well, it is this and that. Would you agree or somehow kind of um, hear this? <laughs> it's actually a matter of hearing that the individual, like you and I and everything that we see, I wouldn't not say an illusion, but it's not really real because if everything, life cannot, wholeness cannot divide itself. It can't. It's one thing. It cannot be two. So the two, it has to be an imagination. So it comes to me as this is a dream and this is being imagined, not even created, just imagined. Yes. Of course, you can call our whole experience on Earth Mass hallucination. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> <It> <laughs> Convincing can, dream. Yeah. But uh, depart, but different from, let's say, computer games. Uh, this is, uh, it is worthwhile because it feels real. Our experiences are real. How we express ourselves is real. How we grow or fail is real. And all of this, it would be just, oh, yeah, a little game and not really. And I know many people have told me this earlier when in discussions. And I said, this is wonderful and real. You lose a loved one, even though you know, you know, on a certain level, intellectually and on other level, you will meet again. But this is a loss in this lifetime. This person is no longer sitting next to you on a park bench or holding your hand. Or This is gone. And the experience of it, you can, it might not be as devastating if, as if you didn't know that we are connected forever. But it is still real. So it is a real experience. It is valuable. It is precious. Mm. It is unique. Yes, Bridget. You know, I love the way you said that. It's a real experience because in order to have the experience of life, we have to have this split in the way of duality, right? The opposites. Yes. Yeah. So that makes sense for the experience is real because the absolute or whatever the one is, is there. I think if we if we grow more and more and we evolve more and more at one point, we will be it. And then we say, wow, <laughs> now I want to be another being on the planet. I want to start the journey all over again. Yeah, right. Because then without experience, it's just, uh, let's say it's just love, but then love cannot recognize or love itself. So it's um, right. The experience of love would not exist. So in a way, this is, uh, to me, kind of feels like the experience that we are here to experience love. 
So we're almost at the end, and I want to mention the um, some other passage that caught my attention. Under the rain, that's another one titled "Rain." You write, "We are connected with nature. We are part of nature. Invisible threads connect us with life all around us. We are not isolated, not alone ever." That's a beautiful message too. And then winter storms. I love that too. There's a passage where you say, to become aware of the beauty and the intelligent forces of nature, you have to become still. You have to open your senses to see, hear, smell, and feel nature all around you. At the same time, you have to be present in your heart. I love that. So it's not just being still, but being present in your heart. Beautifully communicated the message here. And then, um, of course, the uh, sparrow's innocence. I love that too. I think it's the introduction of this episode where you say, we humans determine ourselves where our space is from breath to breath, from thought to thought. We can stay in the shadow, worrying and doubting, or we can step into the sunshine with trust. I love that. <laughs> I have to say love again. And that's the title of the episode too, Stepping into the Sunshine with Trust. Beautifully written. Thank you so much, Bridget, again, for being the space, for being the flow of life, the message being communicated from that place of essence. Thank you for who you are, for who you have allowed yourself to be. Thank you. I thank you for your questions, for your graciousness for your willingness to spread the light and love. Thank you. Thank you, Valeria. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you for the encouragement. The body appreciates. <laughs> I always say that because the body complains sometimes. The ending questions, I have a few of them, but before that, would you like to add anything else or read a passage in your book? Well, I got many insights, but I don't want to overstep the time boundaries here. But uh, we had a, a pest plague in our garden. And then I killed those bugs. And then I, with the help of the wondrous beings, I understood that the repercussions of those bugs, which were ugly, are also the repercussions that we humans have on Earth. And I saw this in a time lapse. I never thought about it before, that incident. How it really is, how our cities are cutting tentacles to woods and even hills spreading out and how the chimneys exhale poisonous breath into the atmosphere and how pipes are spitting poisonous water into livers and rakes and how trash heaps are spreading the earth like ulcer. And I said, and we should, we should honor this beautiful place which we share with all beings. And that was, I never thought about it. It was just a picture that I saw that came to mind. That's a powerful message to know and to be reminded of. That's true. We often forget that it's not just our bodies, and but the environment. Everything is connected and we depend on everything. Everything is dependent Right. And this is something that the um, ancient cultures, they understood really well, and they honored everything, the land, the nature, everything. I mean, themselves, they had a, a sense of communion, of community. Everything was connected, right, in that sense, Bridget? Yes, they were right. <laughs> yeah, we have lost the way. 
uh, somewhat in there, but it would be beautiful if we could come back to that way of living in this we are getting there. We are getting there, and you are helping in this. Yeah, we're all doing it together, that's for sure. Yeah. So thank you for being part of the community here, <laughs> this community, and which feels very sacred to me. I always use that word, sacred. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? They die. To look around wherever they are, say thank you. If there are family members, thank you. If there's a dog at your side, thank you. If you are, so to, so to say, all by yourself, thank you. All of this is what you are. And you feel that you are developed in life. When I was uh, five years old, I fell into a river and I drowned. Not only drowned, or almost drowned, I drowned. One of my aunts was running beside the river and jumped in before I came out and then I was dead. And how do I know this? I was lying, I was standing in a pathway, like a tunnel, and at the other end there was light. And then I said, oh, I want to be there. And there were two beings. They were just like, like angels. I didn't see wings, but just very bright. I couldn't see the face, but I knew they were two people, so to say. And it felt so good. This life, this light was alive. It was vibrant. And I said, let me come. Let me be with you. And they said, you have to go back. There are so many things you have to do in this lifetime. You have to go back. And then I said, okay. Of course, I didn't say okay. I didn't say English, but I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I then the next moment I know I experienced was I was lying and they were pressing my, my chest to get the water out. And I was, it was terrible. Malaria, drowning is a terrible death. It is like fire in the lungs. It is terrible. And now they got the water out again. But this experience, 